Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Another round of these Twitter files to be released. So rather than admit that they lied to the public, they're trying to pretend that this is a nothing burger. All he's done is put out the truth. Release all the files. This was a cover-up to protect Joe Biden. We need more regulation and more eyes on what social media is doing. The Twitter files dump has them on defense. What about Hunter? Joe Biden is the big guy. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in. News and Views. Uh, new week. Lots to talk about. And uh, good news is you're not in Moore County. More than 32,000 homes and businesses in Moore County remain without power. I think that's 32,000 people um, without power after the weekend attack on two substations. Duke Energy says... Everyone is not going to be fully restored probably until Thursday. Nearly all of Duke's customers in Moore County were thrown into darkness Saturday night after someone shot into substations. The substations were places where the voltage of the power from Duke's transmission transmission lines are reduced before it can be distributed to homes and businesses. Duke crews have been able to repair some of the damage. Uh, About 7,000 customers late last night had their power back on. We're exploring other options. Uh, News and observers reporting that uh, they have the equipment to make the repairs. It's a matter of getting the equipment to the substations and installing it, some of which could take days. Saturday's attacks occurred within an hour of each other. Brooks said uh, the restoration process would have been much easier had only one substation been hit. So there was two different substations in Carthage and um, west of Pinehurst. Now, uh, the FBI has joined the investigation. You know, it's interesting. And by the way, the uh, governor had a uh, press conference this afternoon. He said protecting critical infrastructure like our power system must be a top priority. This kind of attack raises a new level of threat. We will be evaluating ways to work with our utility providers and state and federal officials to make sure we have hardened our infrastructure where that's necessary and work to prevent future damage. Now, while no motivation is known at this time, there's no suspect that has been made public anyway. If they have a suspect, they haven't said who it is. But NBC News never let a good crisis go to waste. NBC News hyped the possibility that the attack could have been carried out by those on the right over a drag show that was taking place the same evening that the substations were shot out. Now, the sheriff said the motive in the case is still unknown, asked there was any connection to a 7 p.m. LGBTQ plus drag show in the city of Southern Pines. Field says it is possible. Yes, anything is possible. But we haven't been able to uh, tie anything back to the drag show. But yet, that didn't stop NBC from, I'd say it was more than an insinuation that, uh, oh, perhaps it was some conservative right wing, maybe some Christian group shot out the substation. Listen, now, I'm not, I have no inside information. But if history is any indication, how many times have we seen accusations? thrown at to uh, on conservative, conservative Christians included. And it turns out that 
the dirty deed was actually committed by the other side for the purpose of publicly blaming conservatives, accusing them of, of shooting out the substation. And again, I, I'm just saying, look at history. I'm not saying that's the case here. But if you look at history, how many times do you have accusations thrown out at conservatives? And it turns out that, no, it wasn't a conservative that did the deed. It was somebody on the other side that did it just so they could blame conservatives. But, hey, never let a good crisis go to race, right, NBC News? Anyway, um, there is uh, there's some, some good news stories out of all this. There have been a number of people helping others. Uh, there have been a number of organizations setting up places where people can go to stay warm, uh, or, for that matter, uh, kudos to Harris Teeter. They're giving out ice to people in Moore County to keep their uh, refrigerators cold. Uh, it's a mess. Will we ever find out? Yeah, they'll find out who did it. I mean, the thing about it is bad guys, generally speaking, aren't real bright. So they'll figure out eventually who did it. And, and listen, I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's entirely possible. Some right winger decided they're going to... Uh, I, I, I don't know. We don't know. We'll just let the let the authorities do their work. Uh, FBI was brought in. Will that help? <laughs> Good question. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm always on uh, Tom Tillis's case, but what is Tom Tillis thinking related to this newest amnesty deal that he and Kristen Cinema are the authors of? Town Hall is reporting a uh, good story by Matt Vespa. He says it never ceases to amaze how Republicans can fumble the political football. They're already playing with fire as uh, they are helping Democrats destroy the Defense of Marriage Act and pass the Respect for Marriage Act. They had a gun law they helped get passed, or I should say anti-gun law. So they're in the lame duck session. They don't have to do anything. They can wait until the new Congress is in, which you would think that would happen. I mean, the, the Republicans, by the way, the, it is reported today, it is official um, in the 22 midterms. Uh, Republicans will have 222 seats, Democrats 213, which is a flip. So uh, the Republicans gained nine, Democrats lost nine. So the Republicans will be in charge of the House. But uh, so that's good news, which means if there's bad legislation in the Senate, theoretically, Republicans control the House. I mean, there's some rhinos in there, but theoretically, if you have uh, the majority, you should be able to keep the Senate from doing anything dumb. But... um, Tom Tillis and Kirsten Cinema have put together this deal during the lame duck session in regards to immigration. And uh, now this is coming from the Washington Post. I mean, this is a town hall reporting on it, but they're also citing the Washington Post. A white paper laying out the Tillis Cinema blueprint is circulated on Capitol Hill. Congressional aides and advocates plugged into the talks uh, have, have told the folks at the Washington Post, some of the things that this, some of the major items 
that this deal will include. It will include some form of a path to citizenship for 2 million dreamers. Again, I'm sorry, but every time there's something bipartisan, do you see the conservatives winning on these deals? No. Uh, It also contained a large boost in resources to speed up the processing of asylum seekers, including new processing centers and more asylum officers and judges. By the way, there's nothing in here to start rebuilding the wall. More resources to expedite the removal of migrants who don't qualify for asylum. Well, (laughs) that's entirely dependent upon who the judges are and their decisions, right? A continuation of Title 42 COVID health restrictions on migrants applying for asylum until the new processing centers are operational with the aim of a one-year cutoff. More funding for border officers. I'm just... Uh, And there there will need to be 10 Republicans that join the Democrats to pass this. Uh, Roy Blunt of Missouri and Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, would they vote for it? Uh, Well, they they got on board with Respect for Marriage Act. Um, And you've got, of course, the Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski's and Mitt Romney's of the world. They'll they'll do anything to... uh, that's in the rhino category. Um, Matt Vespa says of this legislation, the overall legislation is quite atrocious, as with anything with the bipartisan label. Still, this specification could be fatal for some Republicans, leaving themselves vulnerable to primary challenges, and rightfully so. As with any immigration deal, Democrats will insist on amnesty as a pathway to citizenship, which could kill any deal accelerating the deportation process of those who fail to qualify for protected status or asylum is um, a sidebar issue. If the citizenship provision permits a backdoor for millions more to flood in the country. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, are we doing stuff at the border to discourage what is going on at the border? Are we passing legislation that, well, let's make it more streamlined, I, I, I'm I'm sorry, but I, I I can't get excited about this. And and why would you do this in the lame duck session? I mean, the only the only rationale I could possibly think of is doing in the lame duck sh- session is you want to get it over to the house so they can pass it in the lame duck session before the Democrats lose control of the house. Arizona election officials certified the midterm election results on Monday, declaring Democrats uh, winners in high-profile Senate and gubernatorial races over Republican candidates who falsely claimed the 2020 election was rigged. I'm just saying that those people, I'm not disagreeing. I I actually have been an advocate that, yeah, I think there was some hanky-panky going on in the 2020 election. Uh, The Washington Examiner is strictly pointing out that the Republicans that said, yeah, there was some improprieties in the 2020 election, uh, they lost. Now, those same Republicans would come out and say, and again, I'd have to agree with them, Maricopa County is uh, pretty bad, uh, some improprieties that took place in last month's election. By the way, there was a public forum and uh, that, that took place in the last couple of days, and uh, boy, people that were involved in the election, conservatives, voters, poll watchers, uh, they just 
excoriated the the election folks there, just talking about how the, it, there was just this giant mess in terms of you know printers running out of ink and the uh, tabulators couldn't detect who, who did you vote for because the ink wasn't on the ballot. Uh, you you stuffed these ballots in quote the third box. The third box, all those ballots got mixed up with other ballots. I mean, the whole thing is just a, and it's it's you know this this was these were elections that were you know a few thousand votes. And again, talk about a conflict of interest. Katie Hobbs, the Democrat Secretary of uh, of State. She was in charge of these boondoggle elections. She was the person last week that came out and told certain counties, if you don't certify the election, we're going to charge you with a felony. And she's the new governor. And she was in charge of the election. I mean, just a huge conflict of interest. Why in the world you wouldn't recuse yourself and let somebody else be in charge of the elections? Uh, by the way, so even though these counties have come in and they have done their canvassing and they have certified the election, that does not mean that uh, – now, it's a short period of time. But for the next five days, uh, that Republicans could go in. And it looks as if um, the Republican uh, candidate for uh, governor, uh, she will file for uh, – basically go to court and say, hey, you know what, we, we need a do-over. Uh, there, there have just been some illegalities here, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, if if past performance is any indication of future outcomes, Katie Hobbs is the, uh, like it or not, uh, she will serve as governor. Last week we told you about a new ban, uh, a new council, I guess is what they called it, the National Parents and Families Engagement Council. We told you about this, that the Education Secretary Cordona had come out and we're going to put together this this council, which all this started because of these woke ideologies taking place and parents going to these school board meetings. And of course, these are the same people, and he wanted he wanted on the eighty percent of the people that are going to be on this council were Biden supporters, literally uh, writing checks to the Biden campaign. There was also the teacher unions were on here. All the people that went to the DOJ and said, "Please label these parents as domestic terrorists." These are the kind of people that were going to be on this council. That was the National Parents and Families Engagement Council. And as we mentioned last week, yes, included on the membership of this council was Al Sharpton's group, the uh, what was his name? The National something uh, Legal the National uh, uh, Action Network, the uh, Al Sharpton folks. Well, anyway, long and short of it was after that story hit last week, there was such outrage from all over the country. And by the way, people are pointing out that. Uh, According to federal law, you need to make this representation equal and it needs to be totally transparent. It was neither. So rather than have a legal battle, and they were certainly losing in the court of public opinion, the U.S. Department of Education said, oops, never mind, we'll disband that. But here's the thing, and make no doubt about it, they'll disband it for now. For now. And after it gets real quiet, They'll try it again. 
uh, again, illegal. They get caught ahead of time. Oops, oops, back off. Don't worry. Uh, liberals, the, those of you who wanted this council, don't worry. It, it'll get done. Wait for it to calm down. Wait for it to get real quiet. We'll give it another name. And, you know, and we'll find some rhino to serve on the council. And maybe these people will shut up and then we can get our way. Don't, don't doubt me on that. We've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Monday's edition of News and Views continues right after this. Meanwhile, on Santa's Twitter, Hey, Santa, can I get a new laptop for Christmas? At Hunter Biden. You're just like Trump, a fat old white guy who wears a red hat. At Nancy Pelosi. On our Twitter, get the latest news all holiday season. We see you when you're sleeping. We also plan to seize copies of your list. At the FBI. At (laughs) News and Views on Twitter. 96.3 and 103.7. That's pretty good, Clark. <laughs> well done, my lad. Uh, first time I get to hear those is the same time you hear them. Uh, take a look at your weather forecast. Tonight, low around 45, cloudy skies. Tomorrow, a slight chance of a rain shower, high near 68. And then Wednesday, a high of 74. A slight chance of a rain shower on Wednesday. Lows over the next uh, few nights. Uh, Tuesday night, a low of 58. Cloudy skies, cloudy and 59 on uh, Wednesday. So all in all, uh, over the next um, several days, some pleasant temperatures and a chance of a little bit of rain, not a whole lot. Uh, don't forget, a one week from tonight, Christmas with the Embers is back. Monday, December 19th at the Reimage Church in Winterville. And again, we're teaming up with Operation Santa Claus, be donating money and toys to help kids in need this holiday season. You can purchase your tickets online at WTIBFM.com. Our thanks to uh, our sponsors, the Air Doctor, Hardee's, Fantastic Sam's, Greenville Utilities, Telco Credit Union, Speedy Oil Change and Auto Service, Go Eco, 264 Shoes and Apparel, Greenville Toyota, Pair Electronics, Southern Bank, AmeriHealth, Caritas, North Carolina, and Specialty FTR. One week from tonight, get your tickets. Today, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case about whether a custom web page designer who disagrees with the LGBTQ agenda and LGBT uh, marriage in particular, um, does she have the right? And and her, her particular business is she creates custom websites. So everything is custom. And she wants the, the, the right to refuse to create a website for a same-sex couple that would be celebrating their wedding. The justices were hearing arguments in business owner Lori Smith's appeal seeking an exemption from a Colorado law that blocks discrimination based on sexual orientation and other factors after the U.S. Court of Appeal for the Tenth Circuit ruled in favor of the state. Liberal judges obviously favored uh, Colorado. Conservative judges appear to be favoring Smith's argument that the First Amendment preempts Colorado's law while presenting increasingly wild hypothetical arguments to drive their points. 
Based on today's oral argument, it appears that the majority of Supreme Court is willing to hold that expressive services provided by businesses do indeed enjoy First Amendment speech protection. Dale Carpenter, professor at uh, SMU School of Law, told the Washington Examiner. In an effort to examine whether Smith's burden is based on status or message-based objections, conservative Justice Amy Coney Barrett asked about a couple's engagement story in which two work colleagues, respectively in their own heterosexual marriage unions, decided to get a divorce and marry each other, which, by the way, uh, this exact thing broke uh, news today, uh, ABC's Good Morning America, which I never watch, but apparently two anchors on there have been having an affair, both married to other people having an affair. They both got canned today. So her example wasn't far-fetched. Uh, what if those two people wanted to get a website? Uh, the attorney for Smith said, well, I don't think she would do do it for them either. Uh, she also asked whether the First Amendment would still protect Smith if she wanted to decline to sell a ready web, uh, ready-made website. Well, she doesn't offer those, the attorney said. Now, what's interesting about this case is this is very similar to the Jack Phillips case, which uh, the court ruled 7-2 to two in Phillips' favor back in 2018. Now, in 2018, uh, they did not uh, say to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission that you have to change the law. They merely said you, asked, you acted in a hostile way to Jack Phillips. And uh, they wanted to go back and reconsider what they had done based on the fact that they they, they said you've you've acted in a hostile way uh, to Jack Phillips. Now, since then, Jack Phillips, uh, he's a baker. He, he didn't want to make a, a gay wedding cake. Uh, by the way, he would he came out and said, now, I do make just, you know, generic cakes and I'd be happy to sell a generic cake to any gay couple that walked into my store and in my bakery. But I don't want to design a cake specifically for them. It's a piece of art, and I put my thought and into it and my, my uh, abilities into it, and I don't want to do that for a gay couple. But uh, they – so they basically – this Colorado commission had to back off of what they had done earlier. Well, lo and behold, just a couple of years ago, there was a transgender that came into the bakery. They wanted him to do a transition cake, which he refused to do. So they, they – put him back on the hot seat again. Now, I, I bring that up because in today's oral arguments, this is cut to uh, Clark, in today's oral arguments, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch asked whether the Colorado baker, Jack Phillips, was forced to undergo re-education after refusing to bake a cake for this gay wedding. Now, uh, interesting how the attorney for the state of Colorado danced around his answer. I'm looking for the distinction between the two cases. One you say is okay, the other one not okay. Because the company, unlike our first example of the, the speechwriter, yeah. the company here says in no uncertain terms will they ever sell a company, a, a, a product or a service to a same-sex couple. No, what they say is we will not sell to anyone, anyone, a, a message that I disagree with as a matter of religious faith, just as a speechwriter says, or the press release writer, the freelance writer says, I will not sell to anyone a speech that offends my religious beliefs. But here they are defining their service by excluding someone based on that, their... That's their religious belief. 
Well, you can't change their religious belief, right? No, but, but well, to And you protect religious beliefs under the statute, right? That is one of the protected characteristics yes. in theory. And in practice. If it wasn't in practice, we had heard about it over, over the past several years, and, and my friend has pointed to no example where this has been applied. Mr. Phillips did go through a re-education training program pursuant to Colorado law, did he not, Mr. Olson? He went through a, a process that ensured he was familiar with... It was with a re-education program, right? It was not a re-education program. What do you call it? It was a process to make sure he was familiar with Colorado law. Someone might be excused for calling that a re-education I strongly program. disagree, Justice Gorsuch. Thank you, Mr. Olson. Wow. <laughs> Go, Gorsuch. Bingo. Yeah, we're, we're going to indoctrinate you. You need to think like we think. It was interesting, uh, members of the court, now you've got the liberal bloc, Katanji Brown-Jackson inquired about a racist photographer who wants to take photos of children with Santa Claus. Could that person refuse to take a photograph of Santa Claus if there were children of color? Quote, my photographer is speaking by being forced to, to create photos with minority children, Jackson, an appointee of President Joe Biden, said in a hypothetical example, to which Samuel Alito, an appointee of George W. Bush, countered Jackson's argument with a hypothetical about a black Santa Claus who doesn't want to pose with a child dressed in a Ku Klux Klan outfit. Colorado Solicitor General Eric Olson, the guy you just heard from, excuse me, the guy you just heard from, argued such instances would not apply under the state's law. The Biden administration, LGBT advocacy groups are uh, backing Colorado, as you can imagine. Uh, I, it, it looks as if Smith will win this. She will not be forced to uh, create wedding webs- websites for uh, gay couples. But what's really going to be interesting about this is this is the third time that the Supreme Court has had to deal with this Colorado group, the Civil Rights Commission. Now, generally speaking, what the Supreme Court does is when they make a ruling, it it is pretty rare that they will turn around and dictate to like the Civil Rights Commission or a lower court, you will do this. Generally speaking, what they do is they will have an opinion that they will send down to the lower court that says, lower court, you erred right here. This is where you erred. You need to correct this error in your judgment, and you need to reconsider your decision after you correct this error that you made. Well, this is the third time. And it certainly appears to anybody that has a little bit of common sense that the Civil Rights Commission is doing what they darn well please. And they're basically shooting the bird at the Supreme Court. They're finding some technicality. And this is, this is, this is the drawback. I mean, we, we used to live in an age where there was respect for the higher court. And the lower court or the commission said, well, this is what they said. And by the way, this is what they meant. And so therefore, we need to make sure 
that we are following the law. Not anymore. Now you have organizations, courts that are, the majority are liberal or commissions like this Colorado Civil Rights Commission in which they say to themselves, okay, how can we get around this? We know what the court said. We know what they meant. But let's figure out how we can technically you know, tip our hat to the court and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. But then after it's, the dust settles, we'll try some other way to see if we can't bring Lori Smith back up on charges. Or Jack Phillips, which they did. They've already done it to Jack Phillips twice. Will they try for a third time? So it will be interesting. Now, we won't know the results of this probably until next June or July. But it will be interesting to see how hard the Supreme Court comes down. What what are they going to say? What is the direction going to be? Will Will they be much more specific and much more direct? Not sure. Uh, my hunch is there will be more than one opinion written from the majority. Just saying. I think you probably see one. I don't know who's going to write it, but I would think there will be more than one. I wouldn't be surprised to see Clarence Thomas write a rather strong opinion on this matter. Uh, we'll see. But uh, interesting stuff coming out of the Supreme Court today. By the way, speaking of the Supreme Court, tomorrow is uh, North Carolina's turn for the uh, whole constitutional issue on congressional and district maps we'll see where that goes we'll talk about that tomorrow stay with us we gotta take a time out we'll be right back Your 5 o'clock drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So did you hear that President Biden's Federal Emergency Management Agency denied the request from Ron DeSantis in early December for expanded assistance in the wake of damaging hurricanes, including for Ian, for emergency protective measures for sheltering in-home recovery continuation now, remember when this happened, when Ian happened, Biden was out there on the airwaves talking about, oh, we're there to help the people of Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to use an adjective or two. Uh, now FEMA comes back and says, no, no, due to limited authorities, FEMA has to approve and pay for this type of work and our inability to confirm that authorizing this policy expansion would achieve the intended outcomes for disaster survivors, your request is denied. Do you hear what they're saying there? They're basically they're basically accusing the Florida state government of. Uh, I mean, I read it as uh, we we don't know that you're not going to misappropriate these funds, which is exactly what Democrats do all the time. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll have some big budget and put a bunch of money somewhere and uh, guess what it never goes where they said it was going to go it always ends up in somebody's pocket and yes can you if this was a liberal state do you think they would come up with that same excuse by the way really interesting uh just as a side note there is a uh, story out the state department refuses 
Now, again, if you read between the lines, it sounds as if they're telling Florida, you know, we don't know that you're going to spend the money correctly. The State Department will not tell congressional Republicans which atheist organizations they're giving religious freedom grants to. This is from Fox News. Several housemakers and staff were on a Thursday conference call with Mariah Mercer, the State Department's Office of Internal Religious Freedom, and asked the official which atheist organizations were receiving grants. Only the Democrat, only a Democrat administration would take the Office of Religious Freedom and fund atheist groups. <laughs> I mean, you'd cry if it wasn't so, uh, you'd laugh if it wasn't so sad. The source of the State Department would not tell the GOP lawmakers and staff on the call which organizations or individuals the grants were going to, citing security concerns. The sources said the grants are favoring atheists over non-atheists, and the grants are primarily going to individuals and organizations in North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. Hmm. What do all those areas have in common? Oh, yeah, heavily Muslim regions. The GOP sources said the State Department has been stonewalling them on the issue. One of the sources said the situation raised questions, such as whether they're funding secular religious groups, such as Christian and Buddhist organizations, to the extent they're funding atheist groups in the region. And again, why do they—I understand. But here you have the Office of International Religious Freedom. And even if you're going to— give money to a religious group, it's got to be for a secular cause. I mean, isn't that sort of the definition of an oxymoron? But the, but at least they say, okay, well, even, are, are you at least funding them to the same amount you're funding the atheist groups? Uh, the, the answer was there wasn't an answer. The question is, what are you trying to hide? Very obvious, you don't want this to become public, do you? Republican lawmakers and staff on the call, also said they were interested in using the House Oversight's power when in the majority next year to subpoena the State Department for answers on this issue. You know, the the crying shame is the Republicans are being forced to have these hearings based upon the decisions that have been made by the Biden woke administration that does whatever they darn well please with no regard to what might be fair, for that matter, for what would be lawful. I mean, if they can get away with it, they're going to do it. Just saying. How many uh, timeouts do we have? How many number of breaks we got left? Two. Okay. Including the hard break, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just asking my producer. <laughs> Can't keep track of myself. Fox News is reporting uh, the turnout for early voting for a midterm broke all kinds of records in Georgia. Secretary of State said there were 1,868,127 early votes. Now, in the election back in November, Raphael Warlock won 54% of the early voting. Herschel Walker won 56% of election day voting. Now, it appears that early voting by Republicans was increased from the November election. The question is, was the Democrat early voting increased by the same percentage? 
Uh, again, we will see. Tomorrow is election day, and we will know probably, well, if it goes anything like the first election, we might not know until later this week. I would say Georgia is a little bit sharper than California and uh, Arizona, so we'll probably know. Maybe if it was Arizona, it'd probably be after Christmas before we find out. Uh, Raphael Warnock was asked today by Fox News about his stance on abortion. Now, he was out campaigning with fellow Democrat Georgia Senator John Ossoff. you got to be careful how you pronounce his name. Um, They asked both of them, you know, is there – Anywhere that you would support limits on abortion, neither would answer the question. Cut one. This question is for both senators. Is there any instance in which either one of you would support any limitations on abortion? I voted to protect Roe v. Wade, and I would do that again. So, Senator Ossoff, same to you. Is there any any instance in which you would support any limitations on abortion? Yes, like Senator Warnock, I voted to protect the standard of privacy. So no, no limitations? Yes, uh, do you It's hard to hear, but both of them said, I, I voted to protect Roe v. Wade. That's it. That's their, 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 they, they would not answer the question. Again, this was asked today. Warlock goes on to say, I think that the issue that we're dealing with right now is that we have a contrast between somebody who believes in a woman's right to choose, who believes that a patient's room is too small and cramped for a a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government, and somebody who wants a nationwide ban with no exceptions, he said at the time, referring to Walker, who said he supports exceptions in certain cases, Walker said. So that's the extreme we're dealing with, and that's what I'm focused on. So he says, there are plenty of politicians piling into a patient's room. I have no intention of joining them, he added. But yet uh, the United States government is in the hospital room. You know what? There's, There's one person you left out of your equation. You talked about the government being in the hospital room. You talked about the mother being in the hospital room. You talked about the doctor being in the hospital room. There's somebody you forgot, Warlock. That's called the other human being, the baby. Somehow that mysteriously just disappears. We got to take another time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Well, this should come as no surprise. Uh, the Daily Mail is reporting how a 25-year-old man in England who identified as a transgender woman has been jailed He will be in jail for the next uh, nine and a half years, maybe get out with good behavior. His name is David Orton, went by the name Danielle Rose Gemini. Uh, Yeah, he was jailed for grooming and impregnating a 14-year-old girl. Now, this is a transgender biological male who claims to be a woman. One of the detectives who investigated him and arrested him says that he has refused to accept that there was any wrongdoing and claims, in fact, that he is the victim. A study by a former Scottish Justice Secretary, a member of Parliament, Kenny McCaskill, found that four out of ten transgender criminals imprisoned in Britain, and uh, listen, I I have a hard time believing it's only four out of ten, but granted, I would think you'd be fairly limited in finding this information out in an honest way, According to the study, 42% of inmates who live under a gender identity 
that, that does not align with their biological sex are imprisoned for sex crimes, including crimes against children. 97 out of 230 inmates, 42% living under a different gender identity are in jail for sex crimes. They include 24, I'm sorry, 44 jailed for rape, 14 who forced underage children into sexual activity, 11 were convicted of sexual assault, and 7 for possessing or making child abuse images. The statistics, which do not make clear if the inmates are biological males living as women or vice versa, I, I can tell you. I can tell you the answer is the vast majority, the vast, vast majority are biological men claiming to be women. Uh, Yeah, the McCaskill went on to say to house convicted male sex offenders with females in prison is perverse and damaging to the women. Uh, There is no way that these men ought to be housed with vulnerable women. You think? Uh, Again, common sense, it is thrown out the window under this woke ideology. By the way, interesting little piece of irony. Headline out of Fox News today. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed legislation banning all LGBT propaganda on Sunday, according to Russian media. And there was a special emphasis to protect children from pornography and from transgenderism. Unfortunately, Russia cited all kinds of blatant examples that are going on here in the United States about how absurd it is and how dangerous it is. Unbelievable. Hey, thanks for being with us for the hour. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.